0: Part Two, Chapter Fifteen of Sons of the Covenant by Samuel Gordon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Adrian Pretzelis. Chapter Fifteen. The world had become six years older. It was contended on many hands that it had also become a little wiser. There remained, however, a few people who still did foolish things. Among them was Mr. Diamond, who had committed a most reprehensible folly in forgetting the existence of his wife and acting on his own initiative. Pondering this in his divided mind, he was slowly wending his way home from a meeting of the synagogue committee, of which he was a respected member. It was at this meeting that, in a moment of misguided independence and false enthusiasm, HE HAD ALLOWED HIMSELF TO BE PREVAILED UPON BY HIS COLLEAGUES TO BE NOMINATED AS BRIDEGROOM OF THE LAW, BECAUSE NO OTHER CANDIDATE COULD BE FOUND. THIS BRIDEGROOMSHIP OF THE LAW IS AN OFFICE WHICH, IN EVERY SYNAGOGUE, FALLS to THE LOT OF ONE MAN FOR ONE DAY IN THE YEAR, TO WIT THE NINTH OF TABERNACLES, MORE SPECIFICALLY TERMED THE REJOICING IN THE LAW. The office is one of honor and distinction, and carries with it an accumulation of synagogial privileges. In the first place the holder of it is accommodated with a seat in that exalted stronghold of communal dignity, the warden's box, with accessories in the shape of two fronting bouquets and an obsequious beadle ever on the watch to open the pew door to his exits and entrances secondly he walks close behind the reader in the procession of the scrolls and finally he is the object of a highly complimentary preamble most trying to a man of modesty or humour by which is prefaced his call to the reading-desk to hear the cantillation of his portion this portion as befits the occasion is the most epoch-making of the year for it consists of the concluding verses of the annual pentateuchal cycle and the intoning of it winds up with a decorative vocal flourish and a vociferous response however as a set-off against these glories there are certain drawbacks attached to the bridegroomship of which mr diamond was uncomfortably conscious and the enumeration of which he could safely leave to mrs diamond as he wiped his feet on the mat outside the sitting-room, he devoutly wished he could resume life half an hour hence. Then his peril made him rise to a great stroke of policy, and instead of the hang-dog abjectness that had usurped him ever since he had come to a proper understanding of his trespass, he entered with a show of suppressed triumph. "'Becky, my dear,' "'What's the matter, Diamond?' asked Becky, my dear, calmly. Mrs. Diamond had not changed much since her last appearance. The glasses she used for darning Diamond socks— he has such flat feet, you know, and treads them out at heels so quickly— were a size stronger, and her Thursday morning voice was still more incapable of modulation. But otherwise— she was much the same and mr diamond knew it well she prompted as she saw him struggling with his make-believe emotion becky my dear the synagogue people have paid you a splendid compliment what's that asked me to preach a sermon on good manners and charity and-not exactly becky my dear but they have elected you bride of the law diamond you know i object to your round-the-corner ways now what is it mr diamond was treading himself viciously on the toes then he stammered well becky my dear if you're bride of the law uh, what would i be mrs diamond doffed her spectacles stripped the half-darned sock off her arm and looked businesslike. what would you be she repeated surely you haven't let em talk you into it talk me into it cried mr diamond eagerly oh, i suppose you think it went begging you ought to know what a rush there was for it prager and tannenbaum said they would but i mustn't tell you what goes on in the committee mustn't you asked mrs diamond significantly said they would give up their seats because it was their turn and look what a great honour they paid me that i was picked out after all becky my dear and pray who asked you to go hunting after any honour began mrs Diamond ominously calm don't you know you've got a wife that gets more honour and respect than we can manage between the two of us and how does she get it on the cheap that's where the cleverness comes in any fool can get himself made a fuss about if he only spends enough money on it see if you won't get a sold-up one of these days through your ungodly boastfulness and then you'll find out how much your honour will fetch in the open market but don't you flatter yourself you're going to have it all your way because you won't oh, i don't expect i would becky my dear consented mr diamond humbly but really it won't cost us as much as you think won't it perhaps you won't have to offer half a guinea to the synagogue and if you happen to be on the deaf side of the beadle he'll fancy you said a guinea oh, becky my dear i couldn't think of offering anything under a guinea then the beadle will fancy you said two that's item number one now what about the party "'I suppose we'll have to order in a small brewery for the day. "'Or do you think Prager and Tannenbaum will be too proud "'to drown their disappointment at your expense?' "'I'm quite sure they won't be,' replied Mr. Diamond, "'with a naivety that was positively touching.' "'Mrs. Diamond shot him a withering look before proceeding. "'And then you'll want a new suit of clothes? "'And you a new dress, Becky, my dear?' added her husband without the least trace of an afterthought for a moment mrs Diamond paused taken aback then the subtle nefariousness of mr Diamond's last remark came home to her and stirred her to righteous indignation you want to bribe me do you and a new dress'll do the trick will it if i want a new dress i'll wait till that dunderheaded committee of yours makes you bridegroom of the law will i "'Next, I dare say, you want me to ask them permission "'while I want to buy a pen of the salt "'or a packet of hairpins, eh? "'If I was you, I'd beg them kindly "'to take over the managing of this house altogether "'and put me on weekly wages. "'Diamond, when shall I be able "'to make something like a man of you?' "'Oh, give it up,' groaned Mr. Diamond, "'miserably huddling in the armchair. "'So do I.' if only i'd taken uncle toby god rest his soul's advice didn't he always say said uncle toby god rest his soul when he used to see the way you used to poke your head in at the door when we were a-courting becky my girl he said never marry a man that comes into the room half at a time he'll never do the right thing in the right place and i'm blessed if you ever did becky my dear not even when i married you asked Mr. Diamond, with melting reproach. "'Yes, you did. Just that once. "'And then it was more through luck than sense. "'And now you're going to do it a second time. "'Get yourself a sheet of notepaper.' Mr. Diamond went to the writing-case with alacrity. He had no idea what the notepaper was for, but at any rate it created a diversion, and that was good enough for the time being and now you'll just write to the wardens and say it's off,' directed Mrs. Diamond. Mr. Diamond shrank back. He had not bargained for this. Of course he had expected that his better half would fume and rage and altogether behave disagreeably, but he had not for a moment thought that she would not give in at the end. It was dreadful. After solemnly pledging his word and receiving advance congratulations he was now to show up as a perjurer and a renegade but the worst of it was that the true case of it would be divined now he did not mind his wife's little tyrannies so long as they were confined to the precincts of the family circle in fact he would have regarded their absence as a violent breach in his normal existence but he strongly objected that his domestic ignominy should fringe out into town talk it never struck him that he had figured for years as the typical mr henpeck of the neighbourhood such are the saving powers of a proper self-respect and now this letter was to give the game away one hope he had but that was knocked on the head by mrs diamond's next words now hurry up because i want to post it myself to see it really does go groaning inwardly mr diamond took up the pen are you going to dictate he asked of course start writing date and address and i'll just think a minute now then mm, say as follows this is to inform you that i refuse to be bridegroom of the law and i consider it a great shame to talk a man into something before he's had a chance of asking his wife oh, becky my dear i can't write that cried mr diamond his hair on end oh yes you can have a good try said mrs diamond encouragingly it was then that the heaven-sent inspiration which proverbially waits for the eleventh hour of human distress took pity on Mr. Diamond, and flew down to his aid. Why must he follow his wife's dictation, thought Mr. Diamond? She might dictate what she pleased, and he might write what he deemed fit. The rejoicing in the law was still ten days ahead, and greater miracles had happened than for a woman to change her mind in ten days. And even if she did not, it would be too late to cry back, and—well, even the devil cannot catch the hindmost, if the hindmost is too quick for him. In any case, it gave him over a week's respite, and to Mr. Diamond's procrastinatory philosophy that was worth any risk. "'Well, when you've done chewing that penholder,' Mrs. Diamond broke in on his ruminations, i was only thinking how to put the letter into shape said mr diamond speciously but i don't want you to put it into shape i want them to have it plain and plump and no extra compliments understand what i mean so mr diamond wrote mrs diamond added another trenchant sentence or two calculated to make the wardens review their past life and find it a concatenation of black iniquities mr diamond set it all down with great complacency much too great to escape mrs diamond's suspicions she took up the letter and pretended to regard it with infinite displeasure it isn't at all nicely written considering it's to go to the warden's it's nice enough for the nasty things i've said to them replied mr diamond bitterly that's not your business "'I'll just trouble you to make another copy of it.' Shrugging his shoulders, Mr. Diamond obeyed. Mrs. Diamond took up both copies, compared them, and put the first into the addressed envelope and the second into her pocket. Mr. Diamond watched her mysterious proceedings, looking, though not speaking, his question. "'I'll get someone to read it to me tomorrow morning, to see you put it word for word,' she answered him beyond one short galvanic shudder mr diamond felt nothing his nerves were killed for the evening and he was numbed to all further emotions i'm going to bed becky my dear he said dispassionately no you won't you'll wait till i come back and then mrs diamond went out to post the letter she took it to the pillar-box on the corner and slipped it through the crevice but the instant it was leaving her fingers a sudden idea shot through her that made them dart after it frantically it was too late however the letter rested snugly at the bottom of the box the next collection was not till midnight it was now half past nine gathering up her skirts she waddled back as no woman of her dimensions had ever waddled before "'That comes if you're flustering and flurrying me like that,' she broke in on her husband. Oh, "'I flurried you?' stammered the latter. "'Of course you did. If you hadn't been in such a rush with that letter, I should have had time to remember about Mrs. Duveen.' "'Remember about Mrs. Duveen?' "'To ask her down to the party. It would have been a first-rate opportunity. She wouldn't have had the face to refuse this time.' Why didn't you mention it to me?' "'You never let me mention anything, Becky my dear,' replied Mr. Diamond. "'None of your impertinence, Diamond. You'll wait up till the postman comes round to collect, and ask him to give you back the letter.' This was Mr. Diamond's supreme moment. "'It isn't necessary, Becky my dear.' "'What do you mean?' If you'll be good enough to let me have the copy you've got in your pocket, I'll tell you. Mrs. Diamond handed it to him with a docility which, at another time, would have appeared uncanny to Mr. Diamond. Then, planting himself on the hearthstone, he cleared his throat, and with a voice that made the brass chandelier ring, he read as follows To the Waldens of the Peace Pursuing Brothers of Plot Synagogue gentlemen i write to confirm what i said at the meeting namely that i shall be glad to accept your nomination for bridegroom of the law on informing my wife of the same she was overwhelmed with joy and wishes to express her thanks for the honour you have heaped upon us likewise i shall do my little best in what concerns the offerings which is only as it should be on such an occasion and beg to remain your obedient servant, Lazarus Diamond. There was a momentary after-vibration of the chandelier, which Mr. Diamond could have sworn sounded like an omane. "'And you really dared to write that?' asked Mrs. Diamond, after a pregnant pause. "'Why, it was only the right thing in the right place, wasn't it?' Mrs. Diamond looked at him from head to foot, as one might a perfect stranger. Then she said, half in wonder, half in triumph, Diamond, I believe I'm making a man of you after all. End of chapter 15